I have no thoughts on Mr. Trump's tweets. Oh. No thoughts at all, Mr. President. Nothing? Really? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Oh, well. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. No, I'm not. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, and 106.7 FM Queso in Cozy Cottage Grove, out in Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI in lovely Lancaster. Way out in Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. Up in the Buckeye State on WGRN 94.1 FM Columbus, Ohio. And up in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And of course, coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation. Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville, Detour Talk in East Tennessee, and yes, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week on Radio Sputnik. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is your Bradcast. Uh, Yes, that's me, Brad, from bradblog.com, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. As I say, this is your broadcast, your light in shining armor. <laughs> I have no idea what that means, Desi Doyen, but I thought, yeah, it sounds good, doesn't it? Uh, that, of course, is Desi Doyen. Uh, Des, you will be with us today for another Green News Report a little bit later, and I must say it is, I believe, our grimmest Green News Report ever. Oh, goody, it's what a dark, great tease. It's scary. <laughs> it's got nothing but bad news. Uh, that's great tease, right? Yeah. Everybody, who who would not stay tuned for that? Yeah, why wouldn't uh, you? We actually, we do have a lot of uh, uh, disturbing news in this report. You're going to want to stay tuned for this, uh, no matter how grim I tell you that it is. Um, so, a couple of days ago, I was, uh, after our show at uh, KPFK, uh, the station is in the middle of a fun drive, and uh, so there was a volunteer who was there to answer the phones, uh, and this was after the program uh, where uh, Heather Digby Parton from Salon had from Salon.com had joined us uh, to talk about the fact that Donald Trump had sealed up the Republic, uh, seemingly sealed up the Republican nomination just after John Kasich had dropped out on uh, on Wednesday, I believe it was Ted Cruz on Tuesday night, right after Donald Trump had won the Indiana uh, primary clearing the way for him to be the presumptive nominee of the Republican Party. And the volunteer came up to me. I had never uh, met this person and said, oh, are you Brad? Yes, I am. Oh, uh, great. I, I really enjoy the show. Great show today with uh, with Digby. Uh, he said, I, I really enjoyed it. But he said, do you have any idea how many times you said Trump, the word Trump during the show? Oh. And I said, well, actually, yes, I do. And I think his point was, uh, why are you talking about Trump so much? And I said, well, he does not go away if you ignore him. 
Uh, you know, and I said the same thing, by the way, during the uh, during the George W. Bush era, when a lot of people said, why are you always talking about George W. Bush? Um, I, uh, similar criticism uh, about Ann Coulter, who I used to talk with, the, the once the former superstar of the uh, Republican Party. Uh, somewhat faded now, Ms. Coulter is. But uh, I remember somebody was critical. I was invited on air with Ann Coulter, and they said, why are you even going on air with her? You're just giving her more oxygen. I said, no, that lady's got all the oxygen uh, she needs. What she doesn't have is people who are responding to her lies and nonsense and the fact that, by the way, she's a an actual voter fraud criminal in the states of Florida and Connecticut. And if you're unfamiliar with that, you can just go to bradblog.com slash fraud and read all about it. I've got the documents there signed by Ann Coulter to uh, to prove uh, her, her voter fraud down in the uh, in the state of Florida and then up in uh, Connecticut. In any event, um, so they don't go away just because you ignore them. So it's one thing, of course, to cover Donald Trump fawningly as the uh, corporate media does without you know, really commenting or, or challenging his stupid, ridiculous assertions. Uh, but this look, this is a this is a sea change or at least a potential sea change in, in, in American politics, in the American political system, in our system of government governance. Perhaps this is not politics as usual. And this was a problem with the way they covered George W. Bush. They covered him as politics as usual. No, what he did was not politics as usual. Going to war, sending our country to war under completely false premises and having the uh, the 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 news media play along with it as if it was just politics as usual. We are still fighting that war. We are still fighting the results of that war. It, you know, the the. The things that happen in politics at the presidential level in particular, we pay the price of that for generations. It is not just a short term thing. Oh, it's a, you know, the, the, we'll have an election. This will all be over. Nothing to worry about. So, yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk about all manner of other things. And in fact, we do. I think we spent, what, about the half hour yesterday talking about climate change. And yes. uh, I think more, actually, with the fires going on up there in Alberta that will in the tar sands region, which are on fire. Um, so we do. We, we you know, we talk about a lot more. Um, but, you know, Trump doesn't just not happen because you talk about other stuff. People need to be warned. They need to understand. Democrats in particular must be warned. They must be kept from becoming complacent and cocky and uh, overconfident about self uh, about um, about Donald Trump as they already are. I, I can't tell you, what, you know, the amount of things that I'm seeing. I saw somebody uh, a tweet today, a, 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 a little video of a ninja saying, oh, this is Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton in a debate. And, you know, that there's two ninjas. One is just sitting there having a cup of tea and swatting off the other ninja uh, without barely moving. As if that's what's going to happen, as if uh, Hillary Clinton is simply going to be able to dispatch with Donald Trump in these debates presuming she becomes the nominee. Maybe she will. Maybe she will become the nominee. Maybe she'll be able to simply swat him away. 
Um, but there's a lot more uh, that you need to worry about, including her ability to simply swat him away, about which I am not nearly as confident as it seems uh, some uh, some people are out there, Democrat supporters of Hillary Clinton. Do not underestimate Donald Trump. Um Several polls that had come out before his other uh, competitors on the Republican side had dropped out uh, give reason to not be quite so comfortable, not be quite so uh, relaxed about Donald Trump. A, uh, a poll, this was, mm, I think it was, it was last weekend, uh, just before the Indiana primary, uh, shows Donald Trump leading Hillary Clinton nationally in a head-to-head matchup, leading Hillary Clinton by two points. Now, this was from uh, Rasmussen, which is a Republican pollster and not a very good one. They get it wrong a lot. So you can take that with a grain of salt. But still, they show him up, Donald Trump, over Hillary Clinton, up nationally by two points. Uh, another poll this is George Washington University battleground polls shows Hillary up by, over Donald Trump in a head to head match nationally, but only by three points, only by three points over Donald Trump. That if is they uncomfortably go head to head. close. Yeah. And by the way, that was be, that was when Ted Cruz was still in the race as far as voters were concerned. And uh, John Kasich was still in the race. And so, yeah, that is uh, three points. For all you comfortable Democrats. Now, uh, another poll, the CNN ORC poll, shows uh, uh, Hillary Clinton uh, way ahead of Donald Trump. Way ahead, I think, uh, 51 to 41, according to this CNN poll. That's a a 13-point edge over Donald Trump. Well, that's a reason for more comfort for Democrats, at least. They find that Clinton is more trusted than Trump on many issues, that voters rank as critically important. But there is one big exception, and that is the economy. For some reason, voters uh, by a margin of 50 to 45 say that Trump would do a better job handling the economy than Hillary Clinton would. And uh, okay. But that's only on the one issue. Nonetheless, on that one issue, almost nine out of 10 voters in the poll called the economy extremely or very important to their vote for president, outranking any other issue that was tested in the poll. You made a face there, Des. I did. Little, uh, scary, right? That was surprising so, to me. Yeah. Uh, by the way, way down at the bottom of that CNN ORC poll, uh, the report over at CNN, way down the last paragraph before they talk about that it was a survey of, of a thousand adults, uh, they say uh, Clinton trails by seven points in a hypothetical general matchup with Trump's one remaining competitor for the GOP nod, Ohio Governor John Kasich. This was this poll came out the day that Kasich dropped out just before he did. Um, so she she was behind by seven points behind John Kasich. And then the last sentence, but her final opponent, Vermont, Gov- uh, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, performs better than her with the remaining two Republicans beating Donald Trump by 16 percentage points and John Kasich by four percentage points. So Clinton was losing by seven to Kasich and Sanders beats Kasich by four points. That's what we have seen in poll after poll. You're seeing uh, Bernie Sanders doing much better than Hillary Clinton against any of the uh, the potential competitors on the Republican side. 
And yet many Democrats still feel just fine with Hillary. They think it's going to be great news now that Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. Well, as I have long been warning, be very careful what you wish for, Democrats. Uh, we are now seeing GOPers coming around to Donald Trump. They're going to continue coalescing around him over the next six months. They are doing it already. As a matter of fact, on the night of the Indiana primary that Donald Trump uh, won so handily, uh, Dana Bash over at CNN tweeted out that, uh, and this was even before Cruiser or Kasich had even dropped out uh, that next day, uh, she had tweeted, Trump campaign now being flooded with offers from seasoned operatives to help the campaign. And in the days since, uh, GOPers who uh, pretended to be against Trump at one point during this process are now coming out and saying, yeah, I can go in for Trump. Trump's all right by me. I can get behind him. I can support him as our standard bearer. Uh, Guys like uh, Chris Christie had already done so. uh, But now we're seeing guys like uh, Rick Perry, another former competitor uh, competitor of his, who Donald Trump just beat the crap out of him, frankly, and during the uh, Republican primaries. But Rick Perry is fine with that. Rick Perry is looking for a job. Rick Perry had said that he would even be fine being tapped as uh, as Donald Trump's vice president. Oh, he's okay with that. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's okay with that. That's good. uh, He's kind of saying, please. (laughs) Uh, Bobby Jindal, Marco Rubio have come out uh, not saying yet. I don't think either of them that they will support him, but they are open to it. Uh, And today, according to CNN, uh, Dick Cheney now says he endorses Donald Trump. He's happy to vote for Donald Trump. Dick Cheney. Well, that's going to bring actually quite a few Republicans uh, over to uh, to Donald Trump's side. To balance that out a bit, Jeb Bush and Lindsey Graham both say they will not vote for Donald Trump. Eh, give him time. Give him time. They say they will not vote for uh, for Donald Trump, and they also say they will not vote for Hillary Clinton. Uh, so that's something uh, to keep an eye on. The G- GOPers who are going to coalesce around him, the entire Republican Party who is going to coalesce around Donald Trump, I suspect. Not the entire, but uh, a lot. And at the same time, after Donald Trump has been telling us now for months that he is self-funded, he is not bought off by, you know, by by big donors, by corporations, by companies, by dark money. Well, he has now uh, given his blessing to a super PAC uh, to start raising uh, to start raising funds. He is now seeking donations to fund his campaign. They are now looking for a billion dollars, a billion dollars to fund the Donald Trump campaign. So, no, it is not all going to be self-funded by Donald Trump. There are other reasons to be uh, not cocky about uh, the idea that Donald Trump will be the candidate for uh, the Republican Party, be the nominee for the Republican Party. As we were going to air today... um, Three people were announced dead in Maryland over the last day. The police, uh, the headline, uh, at least, and we've got an update on this, but the uh, the initial headline, uh, police said that uh, these uh, shootings may be related. Three people are dead following separate shootings in the past 24 hours in Maryland, said CNN uh, just a, a couple of hours ago. On Friday, one man was killed and two others, a man and woman, were wounded after being shot outside the Westfield Montgomery Mall in Bethesda, outside Washington, according to police. The wounded man is in critical condition at a local hospital. 
Uh, separately, another woman was shot and killed outside a giant grocery store in the uh, in the same area, according to Montgomery County Police Department officials. The suspected gunman remained on the loose at the time. Investigators believe the two shootings are connected to a third shooting that happened a day earlier based on witness descriptions of Friday's shootings. Now, we we now know that uh, who this uh, suspect is. Prince George County Police identified 62-year-old Eulalio Tordill as the suspect in the killing of his estranged wife Thursday outside a high school in Beltsville, and they have now tied him uh, to these other uh, shootings as well. Tordill is a law enforcement officer himself with the Federal Protective Service, but he had been placed on administrative leave back in March after a protective order was issued against him uh, by his wife. But when this uh, and and now so he had been on the loose on Friday, he was arrested. Uh, He is now in custody, according to a tweet by Montgomery County Police. But of course, as soon as I saw this and all of these headlines coming in from CNN and from AP and from NBC, et cetera, et cetera, about a third shooting now in Maryland tied together. Of course, the thing that occurred to me is, oh, is this going to be one of those lone wolf uh, shooting incidents that is tied somehow to ISIS, to the Islamic State. It's terrorism. Remember a few years ago, remember those shootings in D.C., the yeah. uh, the sniper uh, shootings? I can't remember how many uh, went on for days and days. I think 12 people were killed in that incident. Is this going to be another one of those things? Well, if there is another one of those things, and it doesn't take much, it takes one lone wolf shooter uh, you know, to start shooting a few people here and there, Claiming this is uh, ISIS doing it, it is terrorists coming for that's going to move the needle on whether people support Donald Trump and his call to ban all Muslims from coming into this country. Because this nation has been trained to be scared to death, to be scared to death, to cower under their tables when it comes to terrorism, what they regard as Islamic terrorism, radical extremism, whatever. That's all it takes, people. That's all it takes. It does. You don't have to knock down the uh, uh, the, the World Trade Center anymore. Set off a, a you know a pipe bomb in a couple of uh, shopping malls, and there you go. Everything changes. Those poles change. They change overnight. So I've said it again and again. Be careful what you wish for. So that's another reason to not rest on your laurels, Democrats and Hillary Clinton supporters. And, of course, at the same time, the media uh, continues to be transfixed and hypnotized by Donald Trump, and they will cover his every charming or not-so-charming statement, burp, fart, or tweet. And while they're doing that, they will not report on the actual facts. They will not correct the record. On Friday, uh, President Obama spoke at a White House press briefing to announce the latest monthly jobs report uh, from April. Now, the uh, the report was not a uh, not a blockbuster, but it was still the 74th straight month of private sector growth uh, since he took office, since uh, Obama took office in 2009 amidst the global financial collapse. 74 straight months of private sector growth. I believe that is a record. Um, in this country. And yet you've got uh, Donald Trump going out, you know, talking about the economy is terrible. Jobs are terrible. People are out of work. People can't find work. Of course they can. 
Is it as good as it once was in this country? Of course it is not. Are many of these jobs uh, not as good as the jobs that were lost because of the uh, global financial collapse? No, they are not. But the fact is, uh, the economy has been on an upswing since Obama came into office. And despite the fact that Republicans have been undermining him at every single move, every single chance, the Republicans have not done what they have done uh, in every previous recession, every previous recession. They are refusing to do that. They are refu- They are refusing to add uh, government jobs, infrastructure jobs, which is something that always boosts the economy during uh, during recessions. And nonetheless, the economy continues to grow. And nonetheless, Donald Trump is able to get away with talking about how what a disaster this president has been. Well, he has been a disaster in in a number of cases that I'm concerned about, but not in the cases that Donald Trump is talking about, not in the cases that Fox News is talking about, not in the cases that the corporate media keeps lying to you about. Instead, they are transfixed with his every uh, burp, fart and tweet including yesterday when he tweeted out a taco, him eating a taco bowl, a tostada or whatever it is. Taco salad. On Cinco de Mayo and saying, literally, I love Hispanics. President Obama, when he came out to talk about the April jobs report, was asked about Donald Trump, asked about his opinions of Donald Trump. Now that it looks like Donald Trump will be the uh, uh, presumptive, is the presumptive nominee for the Republican Party. And uh, the seriousness of his candidacy. I just want to emphasize the degree to which we are in serious times, and this is a really serious job. This is not entertainment. This is not a reality show. Uh, This is uh, a contest for the presidency of the United States. And uh, what that means is that uh, every candidate, every nominee, needs to be subject to exacting standards and uh, genuine scrutiny. <laughs> By who? But, but what I'm concerned about is the degree to which um, reporting and information starts emphasizing the spectacle and the circus. Uh, because we, that's not something we can afford. Um, Too late. And the American people, they've got, they've got good judgment, they've got good instincts as long as they get good information. (laughs) As long as they get... They do have good judgments. They do have good instincts. As long as they get good information. Where the hell are they going to get that, Mr. President? So after he gave the media that sort of smackdown, uh, just minutes later at that very same presser... Did you see Donald Trump's taco bowl tweet? (laughs) And your thoughts on it? I have no thoughts on Mr. Trump's tweets. As a general rule, I don't... Pay attention to Mr. Trump's tweets. Amazing. He went on to say that he wouldn't be paying attention to uh, Mr. Trump's tweets for the next six months or so, so the press can stop asking him about that. Yes, the American people can make good decisions if they have good information. But with our corporate media, where the hell are they going to get it? Uh, Now, also... There is the matter of, uh, so we've, you know, gone through a couple of things. The polls, the GOP coalescing around Donald Trump, the possibility of a terror attack, the fact that we have a, a crappy corporate media who does not cover, which do, do not cover the facts, 
and does not do, take their job seriously to inform the American people. And then you have uh, what could happen to Hillary Clinton herself during this process and whether it actually happens or whether it's misreported by the media as happening the way they have been misreporting this so-called email scandal. And claims, and by the way, these are claims that also are being echoed by uh, Bernie Sanders supporters, that she's going to be arrested at any moment, that she's going to be hauled off, that the the uh, the nominee for the uh, Democratic Party is going to be arrested and hauled off because of something about her email server that nobody can really seem to identify. There are serious concerns, not so much about her email uh, server, uh, but but, uh, you know, about uh, potential the appearance of favors that were granted uh, after money was given to the Clinton Foundation. But that's not really about the uh, about the email server. And yet we see all of these anonymous reports that she's going to be uh, anonymous sources inside the FBI saying she's going to be arrested at any moment. Well, now we've got an anonymous source saying, yeah, not so much there. FBI agents and federal prosecutors who are looking at Hillary Clinton's use of a private email server during her tenure as secretary of state have yet to find evidence that Clinton intentionally broke any classification rules, this is according to The Washington Post today. Anonymous U.S. officials close to the investigation told The Post and CNN that interviews with top Clinton aides in recent weeks yielded no indication that Clinton willfully violated U.S. law, which is something the Hillary Clinton campaign has said since the beginning. Uh, the FBI investigation reportedly has been focusing on the security of that email server and whether any classified information was mishandled on it. So now we have this in, again, take it with a grain of salt because it's from an anonymous couple of anonymous sources. So who knows which direction this will go? But we have a media that, you know, just basically reports any uh, anonymous source they uh, they come across, no matter what the agenda of that anonymous source may be. In this case, you've got uh, the cases being looked at by the uh, Eastern District of Virginia, uh, the U.S. attorney there, uh, where which is regarded as the, quote, rocket docket because so many cases move through it so quickly. The U.S. attorney's office has about 300 lawyers down there. Uh, the district is home to the CIA and the Pentagon. Its prosecutors often find themselves handling terror, uh, terrorism and national security cases. So this is a serious office. It's a serious investigation. And so far it has uh, yet to yield any uh, serious information. And now we're getting uh, clues that it, it may not in this case. The uh, prosecutor down there, Dana uh, Bente, I think is how you say, uh, a federal uh, a veteran federal prosecutor, in addition to the prosecution of former Virginia Governor Bob McDonald, the Republican, that same prosecutor also led the public corruption prosecutions of former uh, congressman, Democratic Congressman William Jefferson and of uh, former Democratic New Orleans Mayor Ray Nagin while he was serving a brief stint leading the office uh, in in New Orleans while that same prosecutor. So this is a prosecutor who's happy to go after Republicans, happy to go after Democrats. But that could also affect that investigation. What happens there or doesn't happen there could also affect the trajectory of this race between now and November. Also, and this is the thing that Democrats should probably be paying the most attention to, our woeful, incredibly frail, easily gamed, almost impossible to oversee electoral system which we talk about a lot here, but you hardly hear at all discussed in 
the mainstream media. Well, now uh, we've got a second Brooklyn official. Remember that uh, purge of some 125,000 Democratic voters just before the uh, the New York primary a few weeks ago that was uh, reported by WNYC? It was confirmed that 125,000 Democrats uh, were for some reason purged from the voting rolls just before the primary. Well, now a second official at that Brooklyn office of the Board of Elections was has now been suspended. Betty Ann Canizio, the deputy clerk at the Brooklyn Borough office, was suspended effective immediately without pay as an investigation into problems at poll sites and the purging of these voters continues. Canizio is a protege of Brooklyn Democratic Party leader Frank Cedillo. Uh, uh, so she is a Democrat. Uh, previously, the head of that office, a Republican, was suspended amidst this uh, ongoing investigation, several ongoing investigations into what happened in that purge. And by the way, a note, a reminder to Bernie Sanders supporters who say that uh, this was somehow a way that Hillary Clinton stole the election for her. Well, there is no evidence right now that those uh, Democrats yet anyway were targeted in any way specifically uh, that they were somehow looking to purge Bernie Sanders voters. If in fact or Bernie Sanders supporters, if in fact they just purged Democrats across the board in Brooklyn, then that means had those voters not been purged, Hillary Clinton probably would have had more voters in Brooklyn since she won all three uh, uh, congressional districts in that in that borough. But this underscores how easy it is for an election official, insider election officials, to just, boom, flip a switch and remove voters from the polls. And there is damned little that anybody can do about it. You can yell, you can scream afterwards if you want. And yes, there is a, uh, a, you know, a petition to try to get a, a hand count, at least a partial hand count of those ballots in uh in New York to try to make sure it was counted accurately. But you know what? Good luck with that. And that's how easy it is. That is how easy it is to game our electoral system. Man, I got more that I wanted to get to on on the frailty of our electoral system, but I guess we're going to have to wait till our next uh, thrilling episode. Uh, You know, just that underscores. How dangerous this thinking is that, oh, Hillary Clinton is she's going to walk away with this in a cakewalk. Well, um, I'll just keep reminding you here on the broadcast. uh, No, that is not how our system works. We, the people, still need to be able to oversee our system. No, the government is not uh, the enemy. But we need to be able to oversee it. Our system is not built on uh, on trust. It is built on checks and balances. And when it comes to our electoral system, almost all of those checks and balances are gone. Speaking of checks and balances that are gone, um, well, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back with with more on all of this uh, on a big news day today. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is your broadcast. <laughs> Thank you. 
Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. I want to tell you Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Yes, we the people. We the people. Yeah, I know. I ran long in that first segment. I'll try to make it up here, uh, Des. Don't don't give me those looks. I know. (laughs) Um, All right. <laughs> President Obama uh, had mentioned uh, held a, uh, a press briefing today at the White House uh, where he was asked about the recent shutdown of the DC Metro subway system that had been shut down out of a sudden safety security concern for 24 hours wreaked havoc on our nation's capital uh, when they had to make these emergency safety repairs suddenly. Uh, Obama was asked about that, asked about his concern, because, in fact, uh, the, the D.C. doesn't get anything funded unless it gets approved by Congress, essentially. Uh, so he was asked about that and he used that D.C. Metro shutdown and the jobs report that he was there to talk about at the White House to expand on comments that he had made a few days earlier during his visit to Flint, Michigan, in the wake of that toxic Led water crisis that was uh, caused, again, by election, by officials, by, in that case, Republican state officials. Uh, So he was asked about uh, how starving infrastructure from funding actually hurts economic growth overall, not just uh, infrastructure, not just problems with water, not just, you know, sudden shutdowns of uh, of of the subway system, but it hurts economic growth overall. Uh, Because no business moves to a town where the water isn't safe to drink or where, you know, the the public uh, transportation system is constantly being shut down. So he talked about that and investing in repairing the U.S. infrastructure, how that creates jobs, jobs that cannot be outsourced. Some of you joined me when I went to Flint this week. It was a great example of the kind of work that is out there to be done. And we could be putting people all across this country, back to work with huge multiplier effects uh, across the economy uh, if we started investing in the infrastructure that will make us more productive. The broader issue though is we got bridges, we got roads, we have ports, we have airports, we have water mains and and pipes uh, as we saw in Flint that suffer from neglect. And the reason we've been neglecting them is not because we don't know how to fix them. It's not because uh, people haven't been aware of the need. We've known for years now that we're a trillion or two trillion dollars short in terms of necessary infrastructure repair. The problem we have is that uh, the Republican Congress has been uh, resistant to really taken on this problem in a serious way. Resistance. And the reason is because of an ideology that says government spending is necessarily bad. That mindset, that ideology, 
uh, has led to us not investing in those things that we have to do together. You, you can't build your own metro system. You can't build your own highway. You can't build your own airport. Um, everybody needs roads. Everybody needs airports. So uh, this is a good example of making sure that the candidates are speaking to this issue. How do members of Congress intend to tackle this? What's the Republican agenda for infrastructure? All, do they have one? Yeah, do they have one? All good questions. All good questions that our corporate media ought to be pressing them on instead of asking them about their taco bowls. But that's our corporate media. And our corporate media does not press our elected officials on things that matter. And our corporate media goes along with the idea that our gov- that the, you know, the, 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 any government spending is somehow bad. That increased taxes to pay the bills for what we actually, uh, you know, have purchased. That somehow that is a bad thing. And by the way, we haven't increased uh, spending. Well, there's been some increase in spending, but there's been a decrease, I think, by about two thirds of our deficit, our annual deficit from when Barack Obama took office. The president was also uh, talked about the idea of government uh, not being the enemy when he was up there in Flint, even though what the government did was terrible up there in Flint. But government is not the enemy, but only when they can be overseen by the public, by the fourth estate, by the media. Uh, You know, does does government do what we, the people, require and ask them to do. I thought his comments were interesting. I'm going to play uh, some of this, uh, some of his remarks from uh, President Obama in Flint, Michigan uh, on Wednesday, I think it was. Right, on Wednesday. And you will not hear this <laughs> on uh, the on corporate the, media no, nightly won't. news. No, you won't. I do think that part of what contributed to this crisis was a broader mindset, a bigger attitude, a corrosive attitude that exists in our politics and exists in our too many levels of our government. (laughs) And it's a mindset that believes that less government is the highest good, no matter what. It's a mindset that says environmental rules designed to keep your water clean, or your air clean are optional or not that important or unnecessarily burden businesses or taxpayers. It's an ideology that undervalues the common good, says we're all on our own and, and, and what's in it for me and how do I do well, but I'm not going to invest in what we need as a community, and this is part of the attitude, this is part of the mindset, we especially underinvest when the communities that are put at risk are poor or don't have a lot of political clout. And this kind of thinking, this, this myth that government's always the enemy, that, that, that forgets that our government is us, it, it, it's us, you know, that, that, that that's a, it's an extension of, of us, uh, ourselves. You know, that attitude is as corrosive to our democracy as the stuff that resulted in lead in your water. Because what happens is it leads to systemic neglect. 
It leads to carelessness and callousness. It leads to a lot of hidden disasters that you don't always read about and aren't as flashy, but that over time diminish the life of a community and make it harder for our young people to succeed. Indeed, diminish not just the life of a community, but the, life, but, but, but the country as well. And that's what we've been looking at. That was President Obama speaking in Flint, Michigan, uh, on the uh, lead water crisis up there in uh, in Flint on Wednesday, talking about the idea that you know the notion that less government they were you know, they, they changed the water in Flint. We got to this uh, crisis where we have now poisoned thousands and thousands of of children and adults in Flint, Michigan. Because they wanted to save a few dollars, basically, rather than, God forbid, uh, you know, raise some taxes, raise some taxes to make sure that uh, the citizens there, the residents of Flint have clean water. That the kids of Detroit have schools that don't have rats running through the halls. God forbid we should do that. This notion that uh, less government is always better government. That environmental rules, and you've heard uh, Donald Trump talking about that. You know, we got to get rid of this. Uh, he doesn't even know what the EPA is called. He called it, what did he call it, Does The Department of, of Environmental. Department of Environmental. It's just this mindset that has taken over this country. It is the great con since uh, Ronald Reagan's great con that government isn't the solution. Government is the problem. So it's going to take a while to turn that back. It's going to take a while to help people understand that, yes, government can do big things, can do big things. We've done them before. The interstate highway system, the Hoover Dam, the Golden Gate Bridge, as uh, uh, Obama pointed out. But it's going to take a while. And at the same time, that does not mean we trust government. That does not mean, you know, he talked about this idea of this anti-government sentiment that has now risen up in this country. It doesn't mean that you're, you're, you trust government. It means you oversee government. We built a government. We, we have a structure in our Constitution that allows we, the people, to be the government and to oversee the government, at least in theory. And he is right. The government is us, at least in theory. At least until it's been bought up by, uh, by corporations, by special interests like Donald Trump, who are, you know, give money to both Democrats and Republicans alike and end up owning them. So it's going to take a while, I guess, to turn back uh, that great con of Ronald Reagan, particularly since Democrats also have bought into it for so long. Remember uh, Bill Clinton's the era of big government is over. No, government is not the solution to all of our problems. We must be skeptical of government, particularly those of us in the media. That is our job. Uh, but we all should be skeptical of government. We all should oversee government. We all should be able to oversee our own elections, the very heart of our government. But that is all very different uh, than believing, as so many now seem to, that uh, government is somehow the enemy of we the people. Skepticism uh, is different than cynicism. Skepticism is different. Uh, in fact, the government is us, or at least it should be. Or, yes, we get all of those hidden disasters that the president was talking about. And speaking of hidden disasters, Desi Doyne, you're on deck with the Green <laughs> News Report. Stand wow. by. This is Brad, and this is your Bradcast. Bradcast. <laughs> 
the world and melting for Desi Doyen and the Green <laughs> News Report. This is Brad Friedman and of bradblog.com. This is your Bradcast. And Des, I got a couple of, of follow-up stories that I want to get to after the Green News Report. So yep. let's get right to it. Our latest Green News Report. The people here are, are, are devastated. Everyone's devastated. The community is going to be devastated. Massive wildfire forces evacuations in Canada's tar sands country. Widespread and persistent fracking contamination in North Dakota. California's massive natural gas leak will cost half a billion dollars. Plus, this should not have happened in the first place. President Obama promises Flint's water crisis will not be forgotten. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. There's no debate about the greenhouse effect, just like there's no debate about gravity. If someone throws a piano off the roof, I don't care what Sarah Palin tells you, get out of the way because it's coming down on your head. (laughs) Also, if someone throws Sarah Palin off the roof, get out of the way as well. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, watching these scenes coming out of Alberta, Canada, of people fleeing this amazing fire, it is like Mad Max Fury Road, some of this video. It's it's extraordinary. Yes, the catastrophic wildfire in Canada's tar sands oil region. It's the city of Fort McMurray, Alberta. It's been overtaken by a fast-moving wildfire that's been driven by record high temperatures and high winds. All 80,000 residents were evacuated, many saying that both the fast-moving wildfire and the chaotic evacuation were, quote, apocalyptic, and they felt lucky to have escaped alive. The worst is not over, warned Fort McMurray Fire Chief Darby Allen. I, I would say it's been, the, <clears throat> it's been the worst day of my career, and I am, uh, you know, the whole, uh, the, the people here are, are, are devastated. Everyone's devastated. The community is going to be devastated. 24 new high temperature records were set in the region on Tuesday alone, with no let-up or rain in the forecast. But some good news, no reports of injuries or deaths yet, and the wildfire so far hasn't reached the open pit tar sands where the oil company's work camps are now open to house evacuees. This is where the uh, that tar sands oil was going to be sent down through the uh, Keystone XL pipeline right. from Alberta. How much of this wildfire has to do with global warming, ironically enough? Well, temperatures right now in the region are about 20 degrees Fahrenheit, higher than normal, and scientists have predicted for decades that climate change is going to bring more extreme heat waves and more intense wildfires, and we are now seeing that come to pass. Right there in Tarzan's country, just amazing irony. We wish them well, nonetheless. Just amazing. Florida's coral reefs are dissolving decades earlier than scientists predicted. This is ocean acidification. That's called the evil twin of global warming, when the ocean absorbs our rising carbon dioxide emissions from burning fossil fuels, and that changes the ocean's chemistry, making the water more corrosive to the outer skeletons of animals like corals and shellfish. Florida's reefs provide an estimated $2 billion in tourism and more than 70,000 jobs. 
In North Dakota, fracking wastewater spills are leaving behind a toxic legacy. Researchers from Duke University found, quote, clear evidence of direct water contamination that they said was, quote, widespread and persistent, including high levels of lead, selenium, and radioactive radium that persist even after cleanup of oil wastewater spills. Mm. According to AP, more than 22,000 such oil wastewater spills have been documented in North Dakota in the last six years. In Southern California, the Porter Ranch Aliso Canyon gas leak, the worst natural gas leak in the nation's history, is going to cost Southern California Gas Company more than $660 million, double previous estimates. The storage facility spewed natural gas for four months and forced evacuations of nearby residents. SoCal Gas says insurance should cover all those costs. Finally, in his first visit to Flint, Michigan, since revelations that the city's water system had been contaminated with lead for more than two years, President Obama promised the residents of Flint, Michigan, on Wednesday, that he would make sure that the lead contamination crisis would be solved. I will not rest, and I'm going to make sure that the leaders at every level of government don't rest until every drop of water that flows to your homes is safe to drink and safe to cook with and safe to bathe in. Because that's part of the basic responsibilities of a government in the United States of America. An independent state probe blamed primarily state officials, and three officials have been indicted. In his remarks, Obama partly blamed an anti-government mindset for ignoring and shortchanging infrastructure issues until after disaster strikes. Anti-government mindset? We don't have any anti-government mindset in this country. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) By the way, Desi, uh, congratulations. I think this may have been your grimmest Green News report to date in uh, more than seven years of this. So nice going. Thanks. For much more on those grim stories and the other ones we couldn't get to, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Grim News Report. You got the accent, your weed the positive, isn't the Thank you, Desi. Yeah, and you know welcome. what? As as grim as that report was, uh, it, it could have been actually grimmer. That story out of Florida is is actually amazing. The uh, the this the acidic seawater, the acidification of the seawater now dissolving the Florida Keys. Uh, in fact, Florida Keys Reef has lost about twelve pounds per square yard of limestone over the past six years, according to the uh, the study. Uh, from the Global Biogeochemical uh, Cycles uh, Journal. So over the length of the reef, that equates to more than 6 million tons. Yes. 6 million tons over the past few years, past six years, has dissolved away from the uh, from Florida. Yeah, and it's not just the corals themselves. It's also the limestone reef that they are based mm-hmm. on. So they're saying, yeah. if you're also dissolving the reef structure, that's going to make it even harder for the reco- the coral to be able to recover, <laughs> if at all. And this is uh, directly linked to the amount of carbon in the atmosphere yep. that we release, that gets into the water, that acidifies the ocean, that disintegrates the state of Florida, which is already having enough problems. And uh, we, we scientists had expected this to happen, but not until the second part of this century. 
And uh, so the report says this is about 40 years early. This is worse than, as I keep saying, worse than even scientists, frankly, are telling us. The and, problem with, uh, yeah, go ahead. And, and yet Florida's, most of re- Florida's uh, representatives from their governor through their state legislature to their senators, including Marco Rubio, who wanted to be president, deny that global warming is happening and are doing absolutely nothing to really stop the problem that is going to affect Florida more and more, more quickly than any other part of the country. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration Reef Watch Coordinator Mark Eakin says this is another example of those cases where we're finding that we are underestimating the level of damage caused by excess carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. And, oh, by the way, reefs provide, I think you noted this, Des, uh, $2.8 billion a year, $2.8 billion a year to the Florida economy. When that reef collapses, uh, yeah, good luck. This uh, comes mostly from tourists uh, who come to dive and fish, but also from commercial fishing. And all of the jobs that support all of those people who have all of those jobs. Yes. uh, And we got just a minute or two left. Uh, There's a couple of quick stories I want to hit and one uh, email, if I can, that you sent to bradcast at bradblog.com. This is a story that I, I love. Bodie McBoatface. Well, just play Colbert. Britain's National Environmental Research Council announced a boat naming contest a little over a month ago in an effort to build public interest in Arctic research while there was still some Arctic left to research. Thousands of entries were submitted, and the name Bodie McBoatface (laughs) got four times more votes than any other name. Bodie McBoatface won. The system works. Or does it? The final decision lies with the agency. I don't think they're going to go with Bodie McBoatface. What? I agree with whatever word that was. This is terrible. If they overturn this vote, I believe they're Buddy McButt faces. <laughs> well, yes, uh, now it is official, though. Bodie McBoatface had captured the public's fancy, as AP uh, puts it. British officials on Friday have now decided that the country's newest polar research vessel will be christened instead the Sir David Attenborough. Oh, well. In honor of the prominent and much beloved uh, uh, naturalist and broadcaster in Great Britain. But, but, not all hope is lost for Bodie McBoatface fans uh, who had voted in favor of it in huge numbers, in favor of using that as the name. Um, Science Minister Joe Johnson said a submarine vessel that will support the crew and various research programs on the Sir David Attenborough, will be called Bodie McBoatface. That's adorable. So the uh, jokey suggestion uh, for Bodie McBoatface got 124,000 votes, more than three times its nearest rival. But it was just an advisory vote. So see there, the British government ignoring we the people, or I guess they the people out there in Great Britain. Uh, But at least the submarine will be called Bodie McBoatface. Do I have time for this? Uh, Quickly. So we were discussing uh, Denny Hastert recently, the former U.S. House Speaker. Uh, As it turns out, he is a serial child molester. Uh, That's what the judge said when he was sentenced uh, to uh, 15 months in prison 
for a, uh, a financial scheme to try to hide that uh, child molestation from uh, from decades ago. And I noted on the air that uh, once again, that uh, this was just another chapter from the George W. Bush era, another disgraceful uh, point to that entire era, underscoring that there was really nothing, literally nothing that we can be proud of from those years other than, as I noted, uh, extending daylight savings time because I really like daylight savings time. That's the only thing that we can be proud of from Republicans during the George W. Bush era. Well, um, Mark E. from Michigan uh, dropped by bradblog.com slash donate, offered a bit of support for what we do here. Thank you for that. Um, and, and noted uh, that, uh, well, he, he, had, he had a couple of other uh, points from during the eight years of Bush that uh, he thought might have been notice, notable. He said, great show. Love it. Re George W. Bush accomplishments. He funded African AIDS health care. He did, in fact, send a few billion out to uh, Africa for that. And two, he signed the do not call phone bill. The, okay. Uh, right? That, okay, yeah, I'll go for that. Yeah, I thought you might like that one. <laughs> Uh, Mark went on to say, I can't think of anything else. I also tell everyone that I said on the day he was elected, quote, uh, Bush would be the worst president of the century. That was back in 2000. Uh, as my hope prayer that uh, over the remaining 96 uh, or 92 years that we don't get anybody worse. Well, he said, boy, did you call it early on Trump's success? And no, if elected, Trump won't be worse than Bush. Well, there's a question for you. Send us an email to bradcast at bradblog.com. Will President Trump be worse than President George W. Bush? Tough call. My thanks, as usual, to our producer, Desi Doy, and to our booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's Bradcast, you can download it, as ever, at bradblog.com or over on iTunes, where we hope you will subscribe. Give us a good review and make it a little easier for everyone else in the world to find us. My thanks as well to those of you who have stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to uh, help us stay on the air and keep doing what it is that we do here. All right, is that it? Oh, follow me on the Facebooks and the Twitters where I am the Bradblog. Use hashtag Bradcast and that's it. We'll see you next time. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.